and thank you for tuning in to the Occlusal Table, where we bridge dentistry with business, culture, and current events. I'm your host, Taylor Jackson. And if you like what you hear, be sure to give us a follow on Instagram at Occlusal Table Pod and share this episode with your friends, family, and colleagues. So for today, we have a collab episode with the Morning Huddle Podcast, and we'll be discussing our dental school experience, common misconceptions about dentistry, and how we balance our lives as podcasters. Let's get started. This is a joint episode with The Morning Huddle, a space where business, healthcare, and lifestyle meet. And their hosts are student Dr. Kamal Smith and Dr. Jermaine Effetti. Personally, I am an avid listener since their first episode aired this year, and they they interviewed some amazing people that dropped so many gems in every single episode. So be sure to check them out. So Kamal and Jermaine, we are so happy to have you guys on the show. Thank you for having us. Um, I can go ahead and introduce myself. Um, my name is student Dr. Kamal Smith. I'm currently a third year dental student at the UNC Adams School of Dentistry. I'm originally from Akakik, Maryland, which is a city right outside of Washington, D.C. I also serve as the executive director of the Visionary Institute nonprofit organization, and I am also the co-host of the Morning Huddle podcast. Hello, all. My name is Dr. Jermaine Fetty, um, and I graduated from UNC Chapel Hill such a long time ago, uh, May 2021. Uh, it seems <laughs> like it's actually been a long time ago, but it's only been probably like six or seven months ago. But I've done so much since then. Uh, for myself personally, um, I love business. So uh, let's let's start the list. Um, co-founder of Talented Empowered Aspired Men. It's our nonprofit where we focus on graduation rates for minority men, um, as well as co-founder of Team Taxes, Team Housing, Team This, Team That, Team A Lot of Teams. Um, Dr. MBA LLC, we focus on helping students reach their goals. Um, and as well as, uh, last but not least, uh, founder of Jermaine Ufetti, um, BDS, MBA, PLC, blah, 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 blah. Let's get into the fun stuff. All right, so we can jump into our first question uh, for all of us. I think it would be very helpful to just kind of orient our listeners to get an idea of who we are and why we chose to enter um, the field of dentistry. Um, I can jump off the conversation. Um, I would say that I chose dentistry as a profession because it was really a fusion of a lot of my passions. I'm someone who's always been interested in business and um, the autonomy that um, dentistry offers with the possibility to own your own practice and really shape your environment um, to meet the specific need um, that you, you want to meet. Um, that definitely attracted me to the field. Um, also, I'm someone who really likes to use my hands. And um, the artistic aspect of dentistry was always very appealing for me. Um, the idea to be able to mix a science with an art and to be able to um, really work on your craft and perfect something that um, your, your work, it could be nothing like anyone else. And then also the science aspect. Um, I've always been someone who's very curious. I like to ask questions. Um, I like to ask why is something the way that it is. So um, dentistry uh, really appealed to that uh, curiosity aspect um, of me and, and, and using all those um, skills and all those traits to be able to um, affect people's health, um, take people out of pain, and to be able to help people to feel more confident about themselves. Uh, that's something that I've really noticed since being uh, in the clinic, uh, just how 
um, helping someone to mold their smile and to address um, oral health care issues and improve their smile not only helps someone's um, physical health, but their, their mental health and just helping people feel more empowered and confident um, aspects that I really love about dentistry. Yeah, I actually knew I wanted to be a dentist ever since I was a toddler. <laughs> I, you know, always enjoyed my visits going to the dentist. Like my friends would be like, you like going to the dentist? And I was like, yeah, you don't like, and they're looking at me like I was the crazy one. So, <laughs> but um, from there, like, I just loved how um, my dentist was able to communicate with me and just really showing the importance of oral health at such an, uh, a young age. So throughout middle school and high school, I shadowed a whole bunch of different specialties. And I was like, this is plan A. And I, if this doesn't work out, I don't know what would happen. <laughs> but um, being in dental school, I realized that uh, having the desire to change um, is not enough. And we have to actually do something with the talents and gifts that we have. So being able to be at Meharry, where our motto is worship of God through service to mankind, we're able to always participate in a whole bunch of community outreach, which I thoroughly enjoy. And just talking with different people and educating people at different levels from kids to 70 year olds. So a lot of great things in dentistry. It doesn't stop at just cleaning teeth. So we really get to help ed educate our patients and just show them the right way to go and show the importance of oral health. That's beautiful. I did not know that's your mission. I love that mission. Jeez. Thank uh, you. So personally, um, I'm a very logical person. So dentistry is a very logical science. Um, you get a lot of, uh, you put X in, you get Y out. And I just love being able to um, see people come in in pain and leave in a better state and knowing that I don't have to guess if this patient will get better. I know they will get better based off of the treatment we presented. So that in itself was a um, big, that instant gratification of knowing I can help people. Um, I love that. As well as the, the fact that there's very few career paths that are like dentistry in which you can work three days, four days, five days a week, and it'd be considered full-time and be able to spend time with your family. I believe dentistry is one of the most uh, family-oriented professions within medicine. Um, so I absolutely love that. Um, even right now, um, without having kids or a family, anything like that, I work three days and that's considered full-time. Then I can pick up another one, two days, full and a half, you know, and just love being able to travel around. The beautiful thing about dentistry is as long as people have teeth, we'll always be needed. You know, and you've actually brought up a good point. Something that my professor always likes to say is that we're the only profession that actually tries to put ourselves out of business. Basically, like we tell our patients, hey, brush your teeth, floss, like take care of yourselves, eat healthy, like all these things, all these oral hygiene instructions, right? But they don't listen. So, <laughs> well, some of them, the some of them do. Right. Yeah, but if everyone actually did what we told them to, there wouldn't be a need for us. Yeah. <laughs> Orthodontist, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. maybe. That's true. <laughs> uh, so the next question is just kind of orienting our listeners. I know we have um, two different listener bases that are, that are tuning in today. And I definitely want to thank Taylor for inviting um, Jermaine and myself participate in this discussion because I think it's a, a great idea to just um, 
put put great minds in the same room, just open a have an open dialogue. Um, so the next question is um, for all of us: uh, Why did we choose to start a podcast, and what was the impact that that we were trying to have in starting the podcast? Absolutely. Well, for the occlusal table, um, our mission is to encourage, empower, and educate um, underrepresented oral healthcare professionals through entertainment. So with that mission in mind, um, I really, well, really even going back more than that, uh, as a pre-dental student, when looking at YouTube, because that was the only thing that was really up back in 2000 and (laughs) what, 14, 15, really, um, there weren't too many uh, stories or testimonies of dental students of color. So because of that, I was like, Taylor, whenever you become a dental student, you have to make sure you share your voice. You have to make sure you find some sort of platform to where you can get up there and reach different people across the nation. But even now, I'm thankful like we're able to reach different people across the globe in like over 40 different countries. So really with that mission in mind, of course, we're trying to make dentistry more inclusive in general, not just for um, Black dental students uh, or dental students of color, but really for everybody. I feel like we can always learn from any type of race, any type of background, or any types of beliefs. For myself personally, that's a fantastic answer. Um, I didn't even know podcasts about dentistry existed until I want to say my second year in dental school. So it became a very lonely place where when you have an MBA background and then you come to dentistry, you're trying to find a place where the two meet and it just doesn't exist. So finally, when um, actually one of our D4s when I was a D2 came in and introduced me to a particular podcast about practice ownership. And when I got to listen to that and hear that there are so many different communities out there uplifting each other over the airwaves. Um, I just knew that this would be the way in which we can help students, you know, Um, no one out there should feel alone. No matter how unique you are as a student, there is another group of unique students that match some things that you're interested in. And if y'all can find each other, imagine the kind of collaborative efforts that can come together. Um, We are in right now all three different cities, but we're still here collaborating on such a beautiful mission. And that's just some of the special Um, Things we can do with podcast, video, Instagram, whatever we have at our disposal to use it in a positive light to um, lead a a good reflection to other students. Definitely. And to add on to that, very similar reasons uh, why I chose to be involved uh, with the Morning Huddle podcast. Uh, One, as you all have already mentioned, uh, being an African-American male in dental school, there's not that many of us. Uh, really regardless of what dental school you're at, looking at the African-American population who are dentists in general, it's about 3%. Um, so going through that process of uh, training to be become a dental professional, um, it was it's very important to see other people who are succeeding, um, both where you are and um, where you want to be. Um, and that, that really serves as a, as a sense of inspiration and possibility. Um, so me uh, being able to communicate and ask questions to some of my mentors, um, some people that I would like to become my mentors, and to really share those com- conversations and share that um, information and dialogue um, has been something that's um, been very impactful for me. Um, just kind of showing me um, this person can do it. 
uh, why can't I? And to just express that message to people who are um, pre-dense and dental school, uh, maybe recently graduated and are, are still listening um, to the podcast to, to hear what our guests have to say, um, who are a little bit more established and just creating a community that's open and, and is bringing value to students who, who want to reach their goals in dentistry has been very impactful on why I started this. And, you know, it actually takes a lot of bravery to start a podcast. Um, And even something else when starting, I was like, if only one person listens, I will be so happy, (laughs) you know, but um, because it takes a lot of thought. Um, It takes a lot of work behind the scenes uh, to get this thing started. Like, and I even had to get comfortable with hearing the sound of my own voice through a recording. (laughs) So that was something too for me. So I really appreciate you guys and standing behind that mission, even for y'all, because we definitely need to hear more of our voices. So, and I love the morning huddle name. Like, that's just awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I like the clues on table too. Uh, So clever. Sure. Since both of y'all two are still in dental school, let's let's hop straight into it. Can y'all give pre-dents some advice from where y'all are currently at that'll help them get to where you are right now? Uh, I would say for me, um, just perspective is something that you always want to keep in mind um, being in dental school and being preparing to enter into dental school. And by that, I mean, keep, keeping the long-term goal in mind and knowing that a setback is in, in the larger scheme of things, not going to make or break um, your, your goals. So if you really want to become a dentist, if you have goals um, as far as wanting to create a certain impact, not letting um, a, a test, not letting, um, not being accepted in the dental school the first time you apply, none of those things is singular um, are going to stop you from um, reaching your goals and and keeping that long-term perspective in mind when you're encountering those situations, understanding that, um, like Jermaine said, there's other people that have probably gone through the same situation that are where you want to be. So understanding that, okay, take whatever's come, think about what can I learn from this situation to make me better, and then take that and move forward. You know, Kamar, you can honestly say that again, because it took me three times, actually, to get to dental school, three application cycles. Um, and during our orientation, my uh, the dean of academic affairs said something that I would never forget. He put the number up on the screen, 3,410. And I'm like, what does that mean? And he was like, this is the number of people who apply to be in that spot that you're sitting in right now. And there's 66 of us in our dental class. And from there, I carry that with me because there were times where I was a part of whichever numbers were in the past, because like I said, I applied three times. So just like what um, he said, do not give up. Uh, Definitely reach out, like use social media to your advantage. There are so many people that are trying to be dental influencers, (laughs) but there are also so many dental student influencers out there. or just dental students in general, please feel free to DM them, uh, ask your questions. I'm definitely open. There are pre-dental students that say, hey, what's it like to be at Meharry? Or, hey, I'm in town in Nashville. Can you show me around? And I've done that um, because it sometimes it takes being there and talking to a student to get the real deal versus being on a tour and they tell you 
anything. Um, just like for what I said about Meharry, you know, we really care about community service and community outreach. So if that's not one of your core values, why come here then, you know? So definitely look at the values, look at the mission statements of the school and do not let that DAT score stop you from achieving your dream. It's really good. It's really, really good. So if we're going to hop into like the real realness of it, for all the pretense out there, I really, the best advice I can give you is do not disregard the process in favor of the de destination. Um, dental school is not a magical place that only geniuses get into, right? Like if you handle your business, you will be where we are in a matter of time. Only thing separating you from us is time, all right? So in the meantime, I don't want you to think that you have to lose relationships. You have to skip family events. You have to just go out and be on your own and be a lone wolf to get to where we are. Take your time and really enjoy the process because when you look back, you don't want to be thinking to yourself after eight, 10 years of college that I, I absolutely hated every single part of this, but at least I'm a doctor. Like, don't, don't, don't do that, right? As well as really plan out the process. If you know you want to go to dental school, just like Taylor said, start researching where you want to go. Make sure that your mission aligns with where you're trying to go, all right? Financially, if you know that finances is not as readily available to you, then find yourself a good in-state solution. Find yourself a good public solution. Find yourself a good private school who really, really wants you and will put up the funds to get you there. Just make sure that what makes what's special about you aligns with what's special about where you want to go and just appreciate the process along the way. Yeah, those are some great points. Um, my next question is going to be for Jermaine as the businessman. Uh, on, on this call, uh, really talk about the business side of dentistry and um, what, what are some things that you've learned since graduation on the business side that you wish you would have learned in dental school? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, really, the number one thing you learned about business in dental school is that you don't learn anything about business in dental school. Um, and I'm not even talking about money moves. I'm talking about simply how do you conduct yourself in an interview? How do you conduct yourself in a successful negotiation to make sure both sides are equally happy with how things turn out? How do you go about choosing where you're going to live? How do you go about making sure that where you start isn't where you finish? If you know you want to purchase a practice in a certain city, maybe you don't want to associate in that city to make sure you don't lock your own self out with non-competes. There's just so many small nuances to the business side of dentistry that we are just not seasoned to while we're in dental school, just because there's just not enough time. You know, you need to focus on getting your clinical skills up. But once you get out that first year out of dental school, if you don't go to a residency, if you do go to a residency, your first year out of residency, I would really just focus on just learning more about the business side. You've spent four solid years, at least, learning about the dentistry side of dentistry. Now it's time to focus on the business side. Um, what are available to you as a new grad? Um, coming out of school, what I'm gonna ask you to, coming out of school, what are the, the, the main options you have when you graduate? You go, go straight into work. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, go straight into work, residency, you know, partner with the DSO, private practice. Those are the options that all of my classmates and I are looking at right now as fourth years. So, 
So those are the options that we're told. Come on, what you got for me? Yeah, I was going to say a lot of the same. Um, BSO, private practice as an associate, going into a residency, um, the independent contractor route, which you have really shown me um, kind of what that route looks like. Before I saw you doing that and really speaking about it, I had no idea that that even existed. So uh, that that is another route that you can go. Research is another route um, that um, people can go. They can um, start training to go into education. That's another route. Um, working in a hospital dentistry is another route. Um, so that there are more than we're typically told you know, because I feel like typically in dental school, they just tell you, you either get a residency or you can go in a private practice or a DSO. It's kind of like choose one out of those three. <laughs> but like, like, like one said, yeah, yeah. Like choose a door pretty much. Um, but like Jermaine was saying, like you want to see what are your skills? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? and choose a, a route and doing, doing some more research and say, what, what is the best fit for me? And where's somewhere that I can actually enjoy going into work every day? Because you, you wanna work for that period of time to, to be able to enjoy going to work because when you enjoy it and when you're passionate about it, time goes by quicker and you get better at it. Um, so um, what, what are some routes going out of dental school that, that you know about, Jermaine? I mean, you two touched on all the ones that we get mm-hmm. introduced to, right? But there's just so much out there. Um, why do you have to choose one? People always tell us we need to choose one of these. Um, I'm a firm believer that you can get, you can have whatever you want as long as you're willing to work for it. So for myself personally, I'm, I'm in a residency right now. It's not one of the traditional residencies, but I'm in a business residency right now to really travel around, see different styles of dentistry. How is it presented in different clinical settings, fee-for-service versus Medicaid versus PPOs versus all these different styles, right? How can we decide what form of dentistry we want to practice if all we've ever seen is one? So right now, I consider myself to be in a business residency, as well as, Kamal's already t- touched on it, being an independent contractor slash a, as we, some people call it, a temp work, right? It all depends. So why be locked in to a position where you don't even know anything about dentistry? You're going to come out, you're going to sign a contract before you even leave dental school. That's going to lock you in for the next 12 months. You might get there month one and hate this. Absolutely hate it. You know, so, but that it's an option. You could be an independent contractor, travel around, see what you like, what areas you do like, areas you don't like. Um, right now I'm in Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, I have a two-day stint out here. Then I'm going to Fayetteville for a three-day stint. You know, just being able to travel around and do what you're interested in doing. Well, Taylor, I have a question for you. Um, what options have you looked into as far as um, your future, as far as uh, your next steps? So, actually, right now I'm in the process of applying to pediatric dental residencies. So um, I'm in that whole interview process, um, interviewing the different schools or different programs. And we're going to be matching in January. So I'm looking forward to that. So, but just like even what um, Jermaine was saying before, you don't have to just choose one. So even though I'm looking at residency now, that doesn't mean it's just going to be like, okay, residency, clear cut to private practice. I actually do want to travel around a bit and see what is out there, whether that's the DSO route whether that's being an associate, whether that's even working in public health dentistry. So that's a new um, uh, area of dentistry that I actually am interested in. So 
that's what I'm looking at right now. Those are my next steps. Um, it's hard to believe that I'm graduating in five months. <laughs> so um, from there, we're just going to see where life takes me, but I'm along for the ride. Okay. Yeah, I love that. Best of luck with applications. <laughs> I know you're going to end up in a great place. Thank um, you. Thank you. This is a question that I wanted to ask you and Jermaine when he gets back on. Where, what are the resources that we have to um, to be able to see um, that definitely like what and residency would entail or um, DSO versus private practice? Um, do you did you speak to mentors when you were making those decisions or um, was there a website or other resources? How did that process unfold? Yeah. And that's actually something that Jermaine was talking about um, as well. Uh, just when it came to traveling around, I am a firm believer in mentorship, firm believer, because if I did not have the mentors that I had in the different areas um, that, you know, in public health, in private practice, in um, DSOs, um, in residencies, in academia, in advocacy, even um, organized dentistry leadership. So really from talking with them and even with talking with uh, residents firsthand to see what their experience is like. So those same things that what we were saying, like doing those same things to get into dental school, researching the school, researching the mission, researching the values and talking to the dental students. It doesn't stop there. So I'm doing those same things for residencies where I'm, you know, looking on the website or going on Instagram and saying, hey, can I talk with you for a few moments just to see what your experience is like? Or what are the core values or what's the culture like at your residency? Or even talking with some mentors that are in private practice, some that did both um, DSO and uh, own their own um, practice as well. So those are the real resources, I guess, are the people because you can really learn from um, valuable experiences of others. So any type of things online, I can't think of them off the top of my head um, outside of listening to podcasts uh, and looking at YouTube videos for sure, uh, whatever is on there now and going from there really. So talking with people, podcasts, YouTube, those are my resources and my go-to when it came to looking at my next steps ahead. Definitely. That's, that's awesome. And Jermaine, he's back on now. Um, I wanted to ask you, as far as the independent contractor route, did you know someone who did that prior to you going in that route? Or how did you um, kind of carve that path out for yourself? Um, how, how did that process come about? Well, myself personally, I didn't know anybody else doing that, but I heard they would always say you can get paid W-2 or you can get paid 1099. And I was always interested why there are two different versions. And I kept asking, what's the 1099? What's the 1099? And I promise you, nobody in the school could answer. And I'm like, why does no one know what the difference between 1099 and W-2 are besides the fact you got to pay your own taxes? So that made me curious. I get very, very curious when, when there's a lack of answers being presented. Um, you said the difference between a, a 1099. I, I definitely want you to break that down some more. Okay. So the main difference between a W-2 and a 1099 is for a 1099, you are considered an independent contractor. You control your schedule. You control the way that you practice your dentistry. Um, a 1099 has a lot more freedom and control compared to a W-2. There are benefits to both. Uh, a W-2 employee who someone who prefers one locked in job and they know they only want to work at this one practice or maybe two practices. It works well because the practice 
can give you certain benefits like PTO. They can give you medical insurance. Um, they can pay your malpractice and they are responsible for paying half of your social security taxes, which is almost 7.5%. So you make a hundred thousand dollars a year. That's $7,000 over that in savings, right? So there's a lot of benefits that come with being a W-2, not independent contractor. You get to have more control over where you want to work, right? What you want to do. Um, since I've graduated um, and back in May, I've worked in over eight to 10 cities so far. Um, I've been able to work with so many different, within so many different settings, learn from so many different people. Um, so it has its own benefits as well. Um, if you know, this is a little gem. If you know, when you graduate, you want to buy yourself a new car, 1099 might be the way for you to go. All right. You can work once you graduate in May, you can earn your money. And then you can go ahead and write it all off on your new car, all right? Or at least a portion of it, depending on if it's a large vehicle or a smart, small vehicle. Now, if you know you want to move to a nice new city, then you might want to do 1099 as well, because then you can write off your rent. So it just really all depends. Like, what, what are you interested in doing? And based off of what you're interested in doing, that'll help you tell you. W-2 or 1099, I just wish there was more exposure for students that really broke down what your, your plans are so someone can tell you maybe W-2 isn't the way for you to go. Maybe you need to go 1099 because you have a family and you need to write off all of your medical bills. So this will be a better option for you, you know, but basically independent contractor, you get to do more, see more, and you control the way you do things. W-2 is a lot more stability involved. I think that's something that just depending on the phase in your career, one could even be better at, at one stage and then the other could be different at, or better at another stage. But just getting the information to decide what is the best um, decision for me right now and then where am I trying to go and trying to carve out what's the the, the best path to get there. Um, so you want a life hack, though? Yeah. A life hack is you can do both. Mm hmm. See, I told we can we can yeah. always do both. We got to get out the mindset as dentists that either yeah, the tooth is being pulled or it's being saved. We got to get out of that. So me personally, right now, I'm W-2 and I'm 1099. So I can do my own independent contracting wherever I want to. And then I still have my W-2. You see what I'm saying? So you can do both. I just if we leave nothing from this conversation, I want everybody to really start thinking to themselves. Why do I have to do just one? Mm -hmm. You can do whatever you want to do. So you can do 1099, you can do W-2, you can still write off the car, you can still have the stability of having a mentor that you work for W-2 to be able to work and gain that knowledge with them. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, that's a mindset shift. I feel like it's coming from an either or mindset to an and mindset. So yeah. you can do the 1099 and a W-2, you can um, do a residency and you can you can maybe work part time. So um, just yeah. doing that research and having the exposure and then going back and saying, well, what is the best fit for me? So I, I love that having an and mindset because we don't have to choose, really. And I think that even shows the evolution of dentistry, because even with some of our mentors, they were like, OK, go to dental school, private practice in the story like that's it. Or dental school, residency, private practice, end of story, you know? But now, just like with incorporating that and mindset, now we can say, okay, yes, we want to have a little bit of this over here, a little bit of that over here, and exploring all the different um, avenues that dentistry can provide. So that's something that I really love about this profession. It's not just sitting there and doing one thing. We can really explore multiple things. I absolutely love that. 
for sure. That kind of ties into my next question. Is this exploring the misconceptions about dentistry, uh, dental school, or working as a dentist? Um, so we already touched on um, the misconception that uh, you may have to do um, to work as a private practice or work as an independent contractor. You can do both. You can have a 1099 and you can have a W-2. Are there any other misconceptions about dental school or dental practice that we want to unpack? For sure, with dental school, um, at first, I thought that the hardest part was to just get in, uh, <laughs> for sure, especially with that DAT. I thought that it really beat me up. But um, even with dental school, really getting comfortable with um, trial and error and with overcoming hardships and overcoming trials. Um, I'm so thankful to have my classmates there as a support system, um, for sure, because, you know, as dental students, they really attract the prof uh, the type of people that are perfectionists, they attract those that are overachievers. So because of that, you know, we want to always try and do our best and we get a little frustrated when we're not. Um, but I think something else that I wish someone told me when I was a D1 is that even though we're learning something new, it's okay to, um, if we did mess up or if we weren't good at it the first time, because it's, new. Um, you know, we didn't just come out the womb doing dentistry uh, or even throughout elementary school, middle school, high school, college. We're not learning about dentistry. So this is really like our first exposure to this stuff if we didn't do any type of internships or shadowing prior to. Um, that's why that's so important for your uh, dental school application to have that kind of exposure. So with going through dental school, doing new things, cutting cavity preps, giving different types of blocks, even dealing with prosthetics and that all of that lab work, whew, like that was <laughs> a lot. Like I can't even say how many times I had to remount cases, say how many times, you know, like when I was cutting all my mannequin teeth, like. Um, before I got the cavity prep correct, or even working with indirect vision on the maxillary arch, that was a whole lot, you know, but each milestone, we just have to take it a step at a time. I appreciate that question you asked, Kamal. I think one of the biggest misconceptions we have um, within the field of dentistry and dental school pre-dents is that you are competition to another one of your colleagues. And I've always hated that way of thinking because dentistry can be such a beautifully collaborative sport or science. And I feel like that part of it is lost along the journey. And I believe it starts even before dental school, even in the pre-dent side of things. Maybe you don't want people to know what your DAT scores. You don't want people to know what your GPA is. You feel like the person next to you is your competition. I'll be honest, nobody that I knew from ECU ended up going to UNC Chapel yeah. So in reality, none of them are competition. You know, I told you I've worked in eight states, I mean, eight cities so far since I've been out. I have not ran into one of my colleagues so far just by happenstance. We have to set something up. So therefore, there's enough out there for everybody in dental school, in the pre-dent journey, as well as after graduation. So the sooner we start looking at each other as collaborators and we can start building together and creating those networks, the easier this entire journey is going to be for everyone. That's a great point. Uh, I think being able to see your colleagues as collaborators instead of your competition is just 
another mindset shift that coming into dental school and being in the dental school, the sooner you can grasp that concept, you can really take advantage of all the great minds around you and know that um, what's meant for me is going to be for me. And I can use these resources around me um, to get there a little quicker or to get more information instead of um, viewing them as competitors, like going for the same spot, because it's really not that way. Um, And the more time that goes by, you see that clear and clear. Um, I would say a a large misconception that I wanted to kind of break down uh, was the idea that um, going into dental school, you had to have um, certain esoteric skills as far as like hand skills, like even coming into dental school, I was thinking like, do I need to start playing an instrument or do I need to like somehow get something with my hands so I can be able to do this complex work that I didn't really have much exposure to. And one of our guests actually made a quote, and I just want to repeat that Dr. Charles Cook, he said that it's called the practice of dentistry for a reason, because you have to practice. And that's really the the main thing in dentistry. You have to practice. And the more you practice, you'll get better and better. So you don't need to come in day one knowing how to um, cut a prep or it's not some esoteric skill that only some people have. If you're willing to put in the work and you get in the lab, you can figure it out. I appreciate you bringing that up, Kamal, because of the simple fact of it is a practice. Um, Just like you, I didn't have any special skills coming into dental school. I would like to reiterate, if you are listening to this, you are a pre-dent. You are already a better pre-dent than I ever was. All right. I was a part of the pre-dent society for one year. Um, I shadowed probably half of what everybody else did here. Um, I just happened to be very, very blessed, you know, so Dentistry-wise, my hands were nothing special coming in and be able to sit next to other colleagues who, to my right, his father was an orthodontist. To my left, he was a dental lab tech. So seeing their work, it's like, oh, my goodness gracious, this is crazy, right? But the more you practice, the better you get with it. And just being six months out of dental school, I mean, going to certain offices and seeing other dentists who aren't, who don't really want to do extractions anymore, who don't really want to do uh, root canals anymore, different things like that. This is the kind of stuff that we're learning in school. Meaning that if you want to carry that skill forward, it's not something that just sticks. It's something you have to practice and really be um, a part of you that you want to continue to do. So I will say, I come all, it is a practice. Um, it is a practice of dentistry. Thank you, Dr. Cook, for that. Um, we, just, we have to treat it that way and really respect it and that such. Absolutely. Um, Next, I want to just touch on some of our favorite tips that we've got from some of our episodes, both on the Clusal Table and the Morning Huddle. Are there any um, tips or gems that really stand out from some of our episodes that we want to touch on? I think um, from the Occlusal Table, at least our specialty uh, series, um, I really learned gems from each and every uh, discipline. Um, even from like our endodontics, uh, episode where they said, Hey, if you're interested in any specialty, or even if you're not, um, there are different organized dentistry groups out there that you can join as a student for free. So you can get those magazines, you can get the newsletters, you can get the emails. It's a lot of emails. I'll warn you on that, but, but very, very informative. So if you're interested um, in dentistry or even connecting with um, groups like USNDA, they are all over social media. They have their own website. You can connect with them as a pre-dent as well. 
Um, But something else, I guess, is like a personal life tip from one of our episodes is when they said, uh, do not um, have destination happiness and to make sure that you are enjoying every moment because we typically go through life like, man, I can't wait until or I'll be happy when and we're not really enjoying um, the moment and enjoying those that are around us. So I think that those are the two biggest things really from um, our episodes that we have at the occlusal table. Love that. Uh, one I wanted to touch on was um, a point that Dr. Ammons made. He's an endodontist. And he said, in dental school, take your time. Become competent first and then let the speed come. A lot of the mistakes that um, I've made, and I know a lot of my colleagues have made as well, is trying to be fast when we start out and saying, um, the person beside me is ending before me. That means I got to speed up. That does not mean that. Take your time, make your mistakes because the mistakes are needed to um, get better to figure out, okay, I, I shouldn't do that. This is what I'm going to do next time. If you're working on preps, you may have to um, damage a couple of preps before you actually get good at it and not being afraid to make a mistake. So take your time and don't be afraid to make a mistake. Uh, because those mistakes and taking that time to actually focus on the craft is what's um, is going to br- bring competence. And then with competence, speed comes afterward. That's really good. That's really, really good. Um, as far as see, this is going to take us to like episode zero, negative one unreleased yet. But um, Dr. Braithwaite really said uh, some words that really stuck with me. And it was simply um, take up space. And what that means is whatever you represent, whatever you bring to the table, um, if, if you are an underserved minority, um, if you are um, a male, just like Kamal said, and there's not many African-American males in dental school, um, if you're going to be maybe the only uh, African-American female in your residency or whatever, whatever you bring to the table, take up space. If there's only one of you, make it feel like there's three of you. Now, I'm not saying put your, your schoolwork to the side. But just be felt in any circle that you are in. Be impactful. When you step in the room, bring value. Don't just be there. Like, make sure that everyone knows that you're there and knows that there's something special about you. Let Leave no questions in anybody's mind why you have that spot that you are currently in. You are one of 66 out of 3,000 plus. Leave no questions about that. As well as Dr. Cook really touched on it. And after speaking to his partner, Dr. Oscar, talking to them about how they've been able to uh, start so many practices in a Charlotte metropolitan area. Um, I believe they're up to five or six now. Every time I keep losing count because they keep adding more practices. And when I asked them, you know, what, what, how did you guys figure out the formula? What did you guys do? And they said, man, it's nothing special about us. We knew nothing about business graduating. We just, we figured it out as we went. And as we need information, we learn information. And that really stuck out to me because it doesn't matter. Like I said, I was not a very good pre-dent coming in. I just knew I loved dentistry. So, but I learned what I needed to learn. And as you continue to go down the road, just trust the process and know that as new challenges arises, as long as you have the mindset that I can learn my way out of this situation, you'll be okay. I absolutely love that. I love that. Take up space and Make sure like you're showing everyone, not that you deserve to be there because I mean, everyone has a fair chance, but just showing your voice and sharing your perspective, just like anyone else could. I love that. Absolutely. 
Um, before we finish up, I want to give all of us this opportunity to make any closing remarks or advice um, for our listeners. Um, I can start out um, by kind of piggybacking on the last point that Jermaine made is to take pride in who you are. If you're the only one, that means that you're bringing a different perspective than anyone else in the room. You're seeing this from a different lens than anyone in the room. And that's a strength. That's not a weakness. So taking pride in who you are, taking pride on your background, knowing that everybody's is different and that um, you, uniqueness about yourself is a strength and something that you can um, ultimately be your testimony. You can inspire the next person um, coming in behind you so there can it could be a little bit easier for the next person. So the best thing I can leave everyone with is simply there's nothing special about any of us as far as why we made it into dental school. Um, there's no magic. Um, there's no cheat code that any of us applied. I think everything just truly boiled down to, um, first of all, being fortunate. I mean, you're born in America. Um, that that in itself is a privilege that should be appreciated because we have certain um, opportunities afforded to us that um, even my own family back in Nigeria don't have afforded to them. So number one, just being here um, now, now that you are here. Right. How do you how do you show appreciation um, for being in a privileged position? And that's by being the most you can possibly be um, if you're able to hear this. If you are pre-dent on that journey, if you are in dental school, there's nothing special about any major dental influencer, any professor. It's just a lot of hard work. And as we talked about earlier, the only thing that separates us from you is time. Now, the only thing else, let's add to that time and hard work. You add time and hard work to anything. You become anything you want to achieve. Absolutely. Um, and also embracing every step of the journey. Um, and before I didn't do that, uh, when it came to like my time in college and connecting with the different people and shadowing, I definitely should have been doing that more um, as a pre-dental student or even during my gap years, uh, embracing that time too. Um, that definitely made me more serious about dental school. And at first I was like, oh, I'm going to be one of the older people in my class. I only had two gap years, um, <laughs> but there, I mean, there were only six people in my class of 66 that came straight from undergrad to dental school. So it's okay. Embrace every step of the journey and you will be on your way. Absolutely. I just want to let you all know if you want to hear more from the Morning Huddle, um, you can tune into us at the Morning Huddle on um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on Audible, and we also post snippets on our on our Instagram page. Um, you can find that either on at the Visionary Institute or I'll let Jermaine um, talk about it or on Doctor MBA LLC um, on Instagram or on at Dr. Ifedi, D-R-I-F-E-D-I. Um, you can DM me if you have any questions along the way. I am a resource to you. Please use me. Well, that's all we have for today. Thank you for sitting with us at the table. And remember to stay flossing and keep flossing. Bye, guys.